From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, collegiate senior in atmospheric science Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer for The Lift on the Weather Channel app, Dina Knightley, freelance on-camera meteorologist and former Weather Channel meteorologist Kim Cunningham, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network radio operator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, amateur storm spotter Bill Johnson. All right, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. Uh, this is Stormfront Freaks podcast, and if you're watching our video, we call it Stormfront Freaks Raw because you're you're watching in the raw, unedited video footage of our podcast recording. Uh, but regardless of how you choose to get the show, thanks for listening and watching. We got a great episode. For you tonight, uh, it's episode 29. Our guest is Hurricane Chaser and creator of HurricaneTrack.com, Mark Suddeth. We'll also be discussing the Saffir Simpson hurricane rating system and, of course, our weather fools, uh, weather resources, and much, much more. So let's go ahead and introduce the team, uh, find out what they're drinking for our happy hour because we always sound better, we always look better the more we all and you all drink. So we will start... Uh, Bray, you were going to agree with me, Brady. I know. I you was going to say no. I was going to say that I look pretty good right now. You know, I'm not going to lie. My hair, honestly, my hair is usually working against me, but today it's working for me. I like it. It's looking good. Have enough hair to work wow. against you. All right, so let's start off in Minnesota with our Skywarn Radio Coordinator MJ. What do you got hey, tonight, hey, everybody? It's going to take a, a lot for our viewers to drink. To make me look better but anyway i've got get uh, out of today, here MJ. i got today great. some ang- angry orchard uh crisp apple uh, hard cider nice there you go that was crisp. my first you know the mj that was my first drink ever wow no joke oh see i told goodness. you last show i told you in college it was for us it was wine coolers wine coolers and now <laughs> it's, cooler. it's the well, ciders yeah i mean i was a cider guy for about six months and then it just was too much i couldn't do it anymore i switched to beer well i'm in you know of course because summer is upon us and the heat heat is upon us and and we're getting 90 degree weather um i am going i'm going a little harder this time last show i i did some (laughs) kind of seagram's something that was tasty but it was like soda it had like three percent alcohol (laughs) i'm moving up to five percent alcohol mike's hard lemonade there you go and we're drinking a little little strawberry lemonade this evening you're moving up nice (laughs) all right kim our former weather channel meteorologist in atlanta what do you got for us well, you know how last week you teased me with, you know, truth, you know, ice cream, Cincinnati. Oh, yes. You know, only in Cincinnati would you have beer or have ice cream that has beer in it. <laughs> so I just had to have one. I had to have the truth. So I'm drinking well, truth. It's right, yes. guys. And uh, always a good one. Always my go-to. And oh, yeah. heading back up to Cincy in July, and I'll get some more. But um, if Jeez, you like you IPAs, must, must this is good. You must have bought a couple pallets of that last time I you were out here. I do. And wow. I have family that comes down and they, they they run a trailer and bring it down for me. But no, that's not true. Constant stream. Not- All right. Uh, okay. Brady is our recent weather grad in Columbus, Ohio. Brady, oh, what do you got for Go us? Bucks, first of all. Second of all, so I'm on a bit of a diet right now, so I can't really have any Again? alcohol. Again, yes. Yo-yo. Well, because here's the Yo-yo. deal. I was really hard and then I it went really hard in reverse and <laughs> pretty much gained it all back. <laughs> So now I'm back on it, and I'm drinking an Atkins protein shake. This stuff, uh, this stuff is money, dude. Two, two grams of net carbs, 15 grams of protein. It'll satisfy, for, it'll satisfy you for at least three hours. 
I'll, I'll oh. still see a cap on it. Well, yeah, that's because I haven't started it drinking it. What are you? I guess the segment is what are you drinking? All right, I'll have a sip. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Pressure's on. Uh, and go. and Maz, Maz isn't with us tonight. He's got a business conference. It's Dina's night off, so we got four mm-hmm. freaks. And uh, our guests are informal, uh, unofficial introduction. Mark Suddeth, uh, what are you drinking this evening? And, and where are you based out of? Where are you in? I'm North in Carolina. North Carolina, Wilmington on the okay. southeast coast. And uh, they're really the finest water on earth, Fiji water for tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Everybody always needs a designated driver. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Helps you pee better. Yeah. <laughs> you left that out. You, you, no, you're, you're, you're trying to stay sober watching this thing maybe develop in the Gulf, right? Is that yeah, what it yeah. is? Yeah. Okay. I have seven children. All right. So I've got to stay sober. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do this. Let's give you your formal introduction, uh, and I'm going to turn it over to Kim to do that. All right. Well, Mark has been studying the impacts of hurricanes for 22 years, and he is the founder and editor of HurricaneTrack.com. And his team actually deploys remotely operated unmanned camera systems to stream and capture live video of hurricane effects. That is so cool. Now, the video is saved in the cloud and later retrieved for analysis, including time-lapse research and educational uses. In addition, Mark has worked to collect wind and pressure data during tropical storms and hurricane landfall events and has contributed numerous reports to the National Hurricane Center both operationally and post-cyclone. Well, I know we have a million questions for you, Mark. This is just so cool. And I think, you know, my when I read this and I looked at your website, I thought, this Herbie, I don't know how you say it, H-U-R-R-B project, I think that's what we're talking about in your intro. Um, to me, it's like the equivalent of Toto, you know, in the, you know, the, in, you know you're out chasing tornadoes, you throw Toto out there and try to get some... Um, get some data back. So tell us about this project. I think it's very fascinating. If you've had some success with it too. Yes, it started way back in 2004, really. Uh, During that very busy season, we had conversations with Max Mayfield, the former director of the National Hurricane Center, over the years prior to 04. And he was very concerned about chasing hurricanes and, you know, that somebody's going to get hurt and, you know, they value the data and the reports and the video, but it's goes against everything they stand for condoning people going into hurricanes when they're trying to get people to evacuate. And he was really encouraging about trying to come up with a way to leave something behind to record uh, video, especially, and, and certainly data. And I've always been a data geek uh, ever since I was a kid. You know, when the weather channel came on the air, uh, I thought, wow, that's the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And it just became, you know, it sucked me in. And so as I grew up and started doing the hurricane thing, we really got that uh, sort of father figure response from Max. You could tell he really cared, but he also really wanted to, I think, have a change in the way things were done so that somebody does not get hurt. And so by 2005, we had come up with a way to, basically use a laptop and I'm going to try to do the share thing real quick. We'll see if we can get this to work and we'll do an application. There it is. Very nice. So that's what the first one looked like. And uh, the, for those listening to this on the podcast, it's think of a, a footlocker, like a trunk. It's yellow. It's pretty large. Uh, and inside of it uh, are all these gadgets and a laptop and a huge battery to power everything. 
Uh, we were using Windows Media Encoder to encode that video, and it was cumbersome. It worked, but it was it was tough. And uh, we started that in two thousand and heavy. It was heavy, yeah. exactly. It took a couple of us. To do it. We My only gosh. four of them in the back of the Tahoe, and um, so the first event was Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we had tested it before then, but the first real-time event was Katrina, and we took uh, my colleague Mike Watkins and myself, three of those boxes, and we set it up in Gulfport, Mississippi, and, you know, the whole thing is just this epic, long story, obviously, but we lost all of them in that magnificently terrifying surge, and I say that, I mean, it was. It was just unbelievable, and it erased everything that we had attached the boxes to. Oh. Wow. So it took until about 2015, 14, 15 or so, for things to change, that the technology became smaller and it allowed us to get away from using a laptop altogether and just use a Wi-Fi-based camera and a mobile hotspot and then these lithium battery packs that are, well, I mean, the whole thing, this is what it looks like now. I mean, it's oh, tiny. Wow. A little bit bigger than a lunchbox. And so we can fit 20 of them in the back of our Tahoe if we want to. Uh, we have a dozen, but, I mean, they weigh five pounds, fully loaded. Oh, so how, so they weigh out. less. How much do they weigh? How much do they cost? Sorry. <laughs> right. So, well, the old system, and I'm glad you mentioned that, that was about $1,500 to set up. And the new system's anywhere between five and $700. Oh, wow. And the beauty of it is it's, it's nice. wide frame, 16 by 9, uh, it has audio where the old system did not have audio. And the first deployment in a hurricane, because we came up with these really in between hurricane landfalls for the United States, uh, was Hurricane Hermine last year. And the one that we set up that was very successful was in Cedar Key. And uh, that turned out to be extremely popular on the Weather Channel, on the Weather Channel's Facebook Live and on our streaming services that we do. Yeah. Uh, and it was just incredible to be able to put it wherever we want to and then leave. Uh, and it captures in-your-face point-of-view video where nobody else can be, not even the uh, most diehard of storm chasers. You think <laughs> about you know, Josh Morgerman, Mike Tice, uh, Jim Eds, myself. You can't stand there with a video camera, even a GoPro, when six feet of waves and picnic tables and docks are coming through, it'll kill you. Yeah. This camera <laughs> can. Wow. And it did. And it was remarkable. Wow. And then we set it up during Matthew, in which we can get to that. But it started uh, back in 04, really, as an idea. And then in 05, we put it into uh, operation. And it has evolved into what we have now. And this so is tell, our... Tell Go ahead. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt there, but I guess tell, tell me a little bit as you're talking about that. What, what is the like, funding behind the project? Um, where are you getting the money for all these units? Well, you know, so currently um, everything's basically crowdfunded. And, oh, that's awesome. And, you know, but in the old days, we had uh, big corporate sponsors that were behind what we did. Uh, Lowe's Home Improvement for about seven years. Uh, we were working with Sprint and Sprint actually would give us equipment. Um, a quick story, back in 2001, I was using uh, an old Samsung bar phone. No, it was a Sanyo. 
my mind's starting to go. <laughs> Join the club. You got some time. You got some time. Plugged into the laptop to get about 14.4, maybe 28.8 data. And anyway, it was Tropical Storm Barry. And I was able to send a report to the National Hurricane Center in the eye. Barry was really well organized for a tropical storm using my laptop. And uh, Carrie Sanders from NBC News mm-hmm. did a piece on us. And it aired the next day on the Today Show. Somebody from Sprint saw that in Overland Park, and the rest was history. And so we were able to get amazing technology as it was coming out and field test it. And uh, that allowed us to do a lot. It really did. But things change. Economies come and go, whatever. Uh, Hurricanes, if they don't keep in the public's eye, people start, well, we don't really need to fund any things. We haven't yeah. had any in so long. Um, and, you know, it's business. It is. And so, but today, when you have the ability to reach a lot of people like we can in social media, then the funding can be spread out across a lot of people like public radio is. And, uh, you know, probably not going to be buying a yacht from what I do, <laughs> but at least keep this going. Damn, so that I can do yeah. what I enjoy. Maybe a kai, a canoe. maybe a, le- a Lego <laughs> kayak. Wow. So, Mark, are there, are there any uh, are there any sensors inside as well that get like you know like barometric pressure and wind speed or any any of those as well inside that? Not this box, but we have um, an entire other system okay. that we use. We use RM Young anemometers and RM Young pressure sensors. Okay. You know, people who know that, you know, that's very high dollar, high end, extremely accurate recording equipment. You don't go to the mall to Brookstone and buy it. <laughs> not a Radio Shack no. <laughs> stock item. Uh, and even that has evolved. Uh, the equipment has stayed the same, the sensors. But the way we would gather that data and then transmit it out to the Internet has changed. Uh, everything was based on laptops back in the day. And now, uh, even with our weather data, we're able to use, and starting just this year, in fact, it's literally getting ready to go live, the first event that we have, uh, we're using the little tiny Raspberry Pi uh, computer, Linux. Uh, Yes. And so all of the equipment that would have to go into a case for the weather data is now in the the size of that little box down. Everything's tiny now. Um, And so it's just fantastic. And all of that data goes to our app and to our website, to our subscribers. And it was really, really amazing during Matthew to see people screen capturing our app and mm-hmm. sharing it elsewhere on Twitter um, that they were using it. It made me feel good that we created the code. We created everything, the software to talk to the equipment and set it up. And here are people watching it. And I mean, it updates every Incredible. minute right in front of your eyes, and it really made me feel good. And it ended up in the post cyclone report. Stacy Stewart included my data, and that just makes me feel good because sure. contributing to the science uh, means a lot to me. But tell, tell me a little bit because uh, I know you've been dabbling in drone uh, drone usage. Ooh. What what's your idea with that, Mark? How, how do you plan on adding that to your whole uh, system? Well, I think the obvious thing is obvious when it gets too windy, you can't use them. And so we have no plans for anything like that. That's just beyond uh, anybody's capability or budget more than likely. So the best use would be, in my opinion, especially 
when trying to understand the effects of storm surge, which a lot of these remote cameras are going to be there to record on ground level, would be, especially for a very large surge event hurricane, such as Katrina or Ike or something along the North Carolina Outer Banks like Irene uh, back in 2011, and that would be to fly the coastline and get a lot of before footage and then you geolocate everything and you go back and whenever you can and fly it again afterwards. And you can use that to compare before and after. And it can serve in, in almost real time as we can upload that to YouTube immediately. And then in education work and outreach and scientific work later on after the hurricane. Other than that, probably not going to be very much that we can do considering you know 25 30 miles per hour it becomes very difficult to operate even the best of the phantom uh, quadcopters that we have so how do you decide where you're going to put it some of the equipment that we have mm -hmm. you mean? yeah um, like you know do you, do you go for the right front quadrant i mean what do you what, what do you what do you that's do a great question and so you know how they say, you know, do not focus on the skinny black line that goes down the middle of the forecast cone. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what we have to focus on because we want to make sure we are in that zone and as close to the eye as possible with our equipment. As we are able to afford more equipment, we can spread it out over a larger area, and we're getting there. Uh, we have plenty of cameras. I want more weather data collection equipment, and that's more costly, but we'll get there. So the idea is we follow each advisory and you know where the cone is going and where the center is forecast and what the effects are. Uh, my degree is in geography and I focused heavily on earth science and climatology and hurricanes. And you got to know the coastline. You have to understand that a hurricane along the upper Texas coast is different than a hurricane along the North Carolina outer banks. Hmm. And that's different than a hurricane in New Jersey. And so after 22 years, you start getting good at figuring yeah. out, okay, this hurricane's going in this general area. What do we have around here where we can best document, observe, and then later use as research the effects of that hurricane? And so Hermine was an easy one. You knew where it was going for the most part. And on that right-hand side, up into the Cedar Key area, the Big Bend of Florida, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. And so I put a camera in Cedar Key, and it <laughs> captured, as a, a side note, the record high surge ever recorded in cedar key the camera was there for that wow so yeah do, do you put both units together like the the media camera unit and the sensor unit or do you spread those out as it's well it's almost like you've been sitting in on our meeting so we used to not, <laughs> we had to try to figure out uh, so before they were separate okay. and so we would have a a, a, uh, a hot spot to power the weather data system and then another hot spot a mobile hot spot to power the camera and once we got to this idea of using the Raspberry Pi and everything's going to be smaller, I figured the two can be real close to each other because with the weather data, ever since we came up with that back in 04, we wanted there to always be a, a JPEG image, a, a, like a webcam shot coming from wherever we set up the instruments. And so I said, let's get rid of the JPEG image and let's use live video now. We can. And so they'll just share the same hotspot because the weather data is only bytes, 20, 30 bytes per minute that sure. are getting sent up. And the streaming video, of course, is more 
-hmm. but it, it doesn't, it, there's so much bandwidth that it, we can do it now. So there'll be two boxes. One will contain the camera, it's two battery packs and the hotspot. And then 20, 30 feet away or maybe closer will be the box that has the Raspberry Pi and it's got Wi-Fi built in and it'll talk to the hotspot and off we go, a two for one deal. So, Mark, when you place the, the cameras and stuff down, do you usually try and stay near or, or do you get the heck out of there? Like, are, are you, are you, you know, chasing it or are you, are you, are you, you know, going to a different state? Well, this, this brings, uh, they were developed mainly for the severe hurricanes that we have no business being where the cameras are for putting okay. a camera up. Uh, I mean, we're going to do it in a tropical storm we're testing every time we can. And yeah. I love yeah. being out there. But the idea is that they are a replacement for me. And I can be, and my team and I, in several places at once because of this. And so the idea would be to set them up and then go somewhere else to, nowadays, man social media, keep blogging, keep doing reports from wherever we are. But now we have to focus on, and Kim mentioned this earlier, and I want to make a distinction our hurricane research balloon project, Herbie, which is a separate project. We got everything covered on the land. I think we do a pretty good job of it and, and the ocean basically and where they interface. Uh, five years ago, we came up with the idea of sending uh, a balloon through the eye of a hurricane at landfall wow. with uh, weather data capability uh, from high altitude science. They have this little tiny computer and they, you know, it records pressure humidity and temperature every six seconds onto a little micro SD card and they use it in all kinds of high altitude research. So we thought, why don't we do that in the eye of a hurricane is basically a sounding, but if we're going to do that, you might as well put two GoPros on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. What it looks like. Oh yeah. So and we you can watch it live, right? I mean, you can not yet. Uh, not we, yet. Need, okay. we need funding for that. That's a <laughs> yeah. That would be all right. Uh, oh, here we go. Box. This is this is it right now. Let's ask for it. Ooh, Challenge is out there. It, 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 after I pay off my student loan debts, I got you. <laughs> but you got to have more equipment to do that, and you got to keep the so the hurricane's job is to ruin your life and to break your stuff. <laughs> and we are not immune. Trust me. <laughs> uh, and so you have to keep it simple and keep everything easy to operate. And so Herbie was designed, it has two GoPros. It has the weather computer, an APRS transmitter for amateur radio, beaconing, and then a spot locator uh, to help as a redundancy to find it. And the whole thing, again, is it looks just like this. It's in the, uh, a case. We have, we have so many box. of these boxes that yeah. <laughs> I think we're keeping Pelican case in business. There you go. It's not the military, it's us. Um, yeah. <laughs> It weighs five pounds, and uh, it's lifted by a 1,500-gram weather balloon, and it goes up to 100,000 feet. That's the idea. It bursts, and it comes back down. And all the while, it's recording all of that data and recording everything on the GoPro, on the chips, and they'll run for a little over five hours. We've tested it almost a half a dozen times, not in a hurricane, obviously, usually out in the Great Plains somewhere. You say, well, why would you do that? Well, it's easy. Very easy. It's flat. Yeah. We want to make sure the equipment works and that the finding part is it. Because yeah. in a hurricane, it's going to be the hardest thing we've ever done. You're going to need your yacht. Oh, yeah. You're going to need several yachts, you're a fleet of yachts. Yacht. 
So but, do do this. I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit here, Mark, because I, I want to get your opinion and feedback on this year and the hurricane season. And what, what I'd like you to do is first explain a little bit to our listeners um, just a quick definition of El Nino and why that has an impact on the, the tropical season and, and what it's looking like this year. Well, El Nino, very simple definition, is the abnormal warming of the tropical equatorial Pacific. Uh, the exact why is still basically unknown, you know, what triggers it, et cetera. But that'll warm up in different regions. The Nino regions are divided into different areas, kind of like a Venn diagram. And when you get all that extra heat out there, you usually have more convection and that air going up spreads out. And in simplest terms, it sends that air across into the Atlantic Basin, usually the Western Caribbean, not so much the Gulf, and sometimes across the tropical Atlantic, all that rising motion in the Pacific causes sinking motion and shear in the Atlantic, to put it in simple terms. And so an El Nino is bad for the formation of Atlantic hurricanes, but generally good if you don't want to see Atlantic hurricanes, with the exception of 1992 as an example with Andrew, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 1983 maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just It just depends, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so early in the year, it looked like based mainly on the European and its ensembles, it was like, oh, El Nino is coming again. And a lot of people really jumped on that, uh, including Joe Bastardi. I mean, I'm not calling him out. I'm just I'm stating <laughs> like it is. Sounded like you were. <laughs> hey, you know what? At least today I saw on his blog that he said how Tom Downs was telling him, oh, yeah, I don't get, don't get on that El Nino bandwagon, Joe. And he's he didn't listen. And But the Euro is good, right? I mean, it is. And yeah. so. Uh, and so a lot of people thought, okay, it's coming. If the Euro says that it must be, and it's wrong. It turned out to be wrong. Now there's the predictability barrier, a period of time where it's really hard for these models to resolve things that far in the future. And it's not going to happen. I mean, we're looking at, uh, in fact, the June, mid June CPC IRI came out today, the consensus and it's, it's, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Atlantic, on the other, uh, on the other hand, warmed uh, above normal in the main development region, and almost a complete horseshoe shape, uh, typical of a warm AMO pattern, not completely dissimilar than 2005. And I said, "Oh man, 2005! No. Oh god!" But it's not ever going to be an exact match. But if you look, yeah. you're going to have that horseshoe shape of warmth mm-hmm. around the Atlantic. And it's this year is close enough that you have to say we're probably going to have a pretty busy season ahead. Wow. Yeah. So Does tell us, uh, do, do me a favor here, Mark. Um, tell us a little bit about HurricaneTrack.com and your app, and also explain how listeners and viewers can, you know, follow you on social media and find yeah. that. So HurricaneTrack.com started in 1999, just as a way for me to. You know, reached the world, and I started writing up what I called a commentary uh, pretty much every day. It was, you know, hurricane outlook and commentary or something like that. Now we know it as blogging. And mm-hmm. um, back then I had to actually use HTML. <laughs> now I do it in WordPress. That's great. And um, so that's been around for, you know, quite a while now. I guess almost 18 years it is. And um, uh, 
you know, with the advent of social media, especially live video, we really got into that, as I said, starting in 2005. And then, you know, a few years later, uh, we got away from Windows Media and started using Flash-based Ustream. And then, you know, Twitter came in, Facebook. Uh, and I've been with YouTube on there since 2006, but I never really understood what I had, which is my fault. Because uh, if I had really embraced it, I think it would be a lot further along but that's really starting to take off. I put my daily video updates on there and the responses from people are fantastic. The ability to reach people. And I know this is nothing compared to the, the Minecraft gaming YouTube yeah. realm. Yeah. Eight oh million subscribers for some of these kids. <laughs> but some of my Matthew videos, you know, the Euro would come out and I would do a real quick update, seven or eight minutes on what it showed two 30 in the morning. And by noon the next day, it had 25,000 views. Wow. For one guy in his room, yeah, that, that made a difference. I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. And once in a, hey, let me tell you a real quick side story. I kid you not about YouTube. I'm at Wendy's here in Wilmington in a completely different car than my decked out Hurricane Tracker Tahoe. And I, I just ordered something for my kids, you know, whatever. And the guy said, oh, 632 at the window. And I pulled up and he goes, and I wasn't even wearing this shirt. I was just, I was undercover, right? He goes, are you the guy that does those weather videos on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> what? He goes, I recognize oh. your voice. I couldn't. Oh. I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. Yeah, we never get that. We no, never we get don't. that. Uh, I don't know about you, Phil, but I walk into Kroger and people just flock to me. People are like, can I buy your groceries? I'm like, not, not today. Not today. But but Mark, was- what's, uh, Mark, how could people follow you on social media? So at Hurricane Track, Hurricane T-R-A-C-K is the brand of everything. And cool. so Twitter is at Hurricane Track, Facebook slash Hurricane Track, YouTube.com slash Hurricane Track. And um, one thing I really like to do is interact with people. One thing that bugs me about some of these very popular uh, people in the weather business is they ignore everybody that responds to them. And I'm like, you can't be that busy where you can at least respond to five or six out of the 40 or 50 that, res- that interacted with you. Yeah. Because I I feel like it's a privilege. Yeah, and don't just, be a weather snob. Right. You know, and a certain president of the United States tweets and never responds to people. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> it's a little different. He's got 40-something million followers. So. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump to it's time for our lightning round, which is our speed round of fun questions for our guest. And we are bringing back, just for you, Mark, we're bringing back Hurricane or Supermodel. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. my God. So here's, here's, right. here's the game. Uh, I'm going to give you a name. And you have to guess, is it a name of a 2018 Noah Hurricane name, or is it the name of a very popular supermodel? All right. All right. Well, what was Professor Hopgood's uh, high score again? Wasn't <laughs> right, it like, yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't he get like every single one except for like two? Uh, yeah, oh, you're good. Kidding. I don't know, well. dude. He was Pressure's on. No. on. All right. Let's do this. Let's do this. You ready? Mark, you ready to roll? I'm thinking He's about ready. this. Okay. Here we go. First, first name. Uh, hurricane or supermodel? Oscar. Well, that, that's, that's, that's a hurricane. Yeah, that is. It's, uh, it is a 2018 hurricane. All right. Next one. Patty. Hurricane or supermodel? Hurricane. It is. Patty is, uh, 2000, is going to be. Uh, hurricane. All right. Next one. Jerry. Jerry. Supermodel or hurricane? 
Well, it's, um, I don't know if they retired Jerry, so I guess it's a hurricane. It's not a 2018 scheduled uh, hurricane uh, name, but it is a supermodel Jerry Hall. Oh, okay. Jerry, oh, yeah, that's didn't, didn't she marry Mick Jagger? Yes. Yes. Jerry. Yeah. Okay. All right, next one, Isaac. Well, yeah, that's a hurricane. Yeah, it's definitely a hurricane. Uh, next one, Linda. Hurricane or supermodel? On the 18 list. My aunt's name is Linda. I'll say supermodel. Uh, and you would be correct. Linda Evangelista. Dang. Maybe that's my uh, aunt. Next one. <laughs> Sean. Hurricane or supermodel? Uh, hurricane. No, Sean, uh, S-E-A-N, Sean O'Pry is a supermodel. Dreamy Sean. Next one, David, Hurricane or Supermodel? Uh, supermodel, because David's retired. <laughs> okay, that's correct. It's David Gandy as a supermodel. Next one, Raphael. Uh, hurricane. That could Ooh. be interesting. That is a hurricane. See, that, that's wow. one of those that could catch you. Raphael's yeah, a Ra- definite Raphael, supermodel. Yeah, you would definitely think Raphael's a supermodel. All right, Nadine. Nadine. Um, supermodel, because that just happened recently. Nadine. Oh, Nadine really? is, is... I was thinking is, of Nicole. Nadine uh, scheduled hurricane name. All right, next one. Brady ought to get this one. Uh, Giesel. Oh, what? <laughs> supermodel. Giesel is a supermodel. What supermodel is that? And why would <laughs> I get Brady. that? What you have is it? Come on. Isn't that Tom Brady's Brady wife? that. Right. Oh, well, that's my, Giselle. Giesel right. My, oh, my wife's name is Giselle. <laughs> then I don't know. Giselle? I, Are you sure? Yes, it's, yeah, it's Giselle. It's, 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 it's Giselle. Wait, did you Giesel? When you meant to say Giselle? It's, um, it's oh, good. my God. He's coming right over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, it's, it's like uh, Wiz Khalifa. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not even close. All right. <laughs> Mark, Cindy, supermodel or hurricane? Which one? Cindy. Well, that's on this year's list, so that's a supermodel. Wow. That is Cindy Crawford. You're correct. All right. William, hurricane or supermodel? Uh, hurricane. Correct. Alex, Same. hurricane or supermodel? So, okay, let me remember. So Alex was 04. So it would be again in 12. No, 10, 16. Plus six is 20. Uh, supermodel. Correct. Alex yeah. Lundqvist. Nice. Very Alex good. Wow. <laughs> you sure it isn't Giesel? Alex <laughs> Giesel? <laughs> the, the pronunciation of these names do not, uh, yeah, do not take me to the dictionary. All right. Stephanie, Hurricane or Supermodel? Hmm. <laughs> Hurricane. Uh, that would be a no. That would be uh, Stephanie yes. Seymour. Stephanie's uh, definitely a supermodel. Here we go. Uh, we got, we'll do a couple more here. Alberto. Alberto. Yeah, that's the first one next Alberto. year. That, that is correct. Alberto. Alberto is a hurricane name. Uh, we'll give you an easy one. Heidi. Heidi. I don't know if it's on the list, but it's definitely a supermodel name. So I don't see Heidi Klum. Yeah. Heidi Klum. All right. And then we'll last one. Uh, Tony. Hurricane or supermodel? Ooh, that's tough. Tony, see, we don't we don't get to those. That <laughs> right, big Tony the Tiger. Like 2005. Big Tony the Tiger. 
Tony the Tiger's got some. Yeah, I'll say supermodel. Here's the yeah. good news: no matter what you say, you would have been correct because Tony is the T Hurricane for 2018. But Tony Ward is also a very popular uh, mm. supermodel. <laughs> so congratulations! Uh, great job! Thank you, guys. We got a couple, yeah, and, and we give away pride here, so you got a lot of a lot of pride coming your way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for that answer, but you did a great job. Thanks for having some fun with us, Mark. Uh, weatherproshop.com. You guys have heard me talk about these guys. What a great source for sky-worn weather spotter merchandise and reference tools. They've got embroidered t-shirts, polos, caps for men and women. Uh, they also have report logs and great laminated reference guides for spotters and chasers. And they'll even do custom orders and volume discounts for your chaser uh, and spotter organizations or, f- or for your county and city government. They'll do as well. And here's what I found out. They got free shipping for orders over $300. They'll ship everything to you free. You'll, you can also save $5 instantly when you buy a Skyworn hat and shirt together. So there's a couple specials they have going on right now. And new customers, as always, setting up an account will receive 5% off their order. And for a limited time, and this is expiring soon, uh, Stormfront Freaks listeners, you'll get an additional 5% off at checkout when you enter the code STORM, S-T-O-R-M. Enter that at checkout. You'll get another 5% discount. So if you're new, that's a 10% discount. Um, Great deal. So lots of reasons why you should visit and support our partner, Weather proshop.com so we're going to go ahead and take a short break our podcast listeners will hear the latest edition of the titans U minute with uh, chris Sanner. but don't leave because we'll be right back with mark and the freaks to discuss changes needed to the saffir simpson hurricane wind scale and now it's time for the titan U minute with chris Sanner. so you want to get started storm chasing but don't know where to begin Well, today we're going to talk about how to get started storm chasing by talking about what equipment you actually need to get started chasing. The very first tip I'm going to give, it's it's obvious, but it needs to be said. You need a reliable car. Uh, You cannot take that 200,000 mile Pinto out chasing. It's not a good idea. You're going to be putting a lot of wear and tear on your vehicle. So reliability. You don't need four wheel drive necessarily but you do need something that is reliable just trust me make sure you can depend on your car the second thing i would actually recommend pretty highly is a smartphone now i know i know a lot of old school chasers say all new chasers can't chase without their smartphones well i'm not a new chaser i started out in the old school era with paper maps and a weather radio but a smartphone's indispensable Make sure you have that, and make sure it's on a good national carrier. AT&T or Verizon, highly recommended either one. Don't go Sprint or T-Mobile. There's huge holes. You're going to regret it. The third thing I would actually recommend are paper maps, though. Why? I just think that they give you a better overview of the roads. You have a better view of your navigational options. And, hey, if you lose data, you still have maps, and they're reliable. They're right there. The fourth thing is a good camera. Make sure it's a camcorder or an SLR, something higher end. Your iPhone or Samsung Galaxy, something like that, is a good camera. But you can get it, you can get a little bit better. You can notch it a step up. It'll be okay. So make sure you get a good camera. You want to document your travels. You want to document what you see. You never know when you're going to document something unique that's going to have value to science. So make sure you do that. For more storm chasing tips and storm safety information, 
be sure to visit TitanU at TornadoTitans.com. And also, find us on social media. Simply search Tornado Titans. We'll see you next time. All right, welcome back. Uh, we still got uh, Mark hanging on here with us. And, and so we wanted to use this opportunity to talk about when it comes to hurricanes. You know, I think one of the topics that has really come to a forefront, especially, you know, last year, is measuring uh, the the scale of hurricanes through the Saffir-Simpson uh, wind scale, which is really just a measurement of wind speed. And it doesn't really take into account a whole lot of um, destruction uh, storm surge, flooding, the various things like that. And so there's been a lot of talk about changing how you're categorizing hurricanes. Uh, currently, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and it's it's based on wind. But I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, Mark and Kim and, and Brady and you guys talk a little bit about what's currently in place, if you want to talk a little bit about the current scale. Um, but what do you guys think really needs to to be adjusted or changed? Well, the original scale, of course, developed as the Saffir-Simpson hurricane damage potential scale, basically for wind. And then over the years, somehow pressure and surge got integrated into it. I'm not really sure too many people know exactly how. And then diagrams were made showing, well, a Category 5 hurricane will make a 22-foot surge or an 18-foot surge. Uh, But we found out, like with Ike, that a Category 2 hurricane can do the same thing. And so it's, it's... created by engineers, et cetera, for a specific purpose back when few people had access to hurricane information like we do now. And so over the years, it has sort of grown into this thing that people don't understand perhaps like they should, that, you know, wind is probably the least of our concerns overall and that the surge and the heavy rainfall uh, are bigger concerns, in my opinion, at least in the 20-something hurricanes I've been in, Um, but there are exceptions like Andrew, and the wind can still knock trees down and damage your house that way, but I don't know if there needs to be a different scale so much as people just understand hurricanes for their whole, their entirety, Mm -hmm. uh, than just looking at a number system. Well, it's a two, so I'm not going to worry about it. That's like saying, I'm not going to worry about getting rear-ended at at, uh, 25 miles per hour. That's no big deal. It's going to be a big deal. Uh, if you get rear-ended at 25, it'll be a horrible deal if you're rear-ended at 55, obviously, is my analogy. But you don't want to be rear-ended at all, right? Uh, right. And so people just, uh, they don't understand. Well, think about this, Mark, too. I mean, think about Hurricane Sandy. It was a Category 1, and it did absolute devastation. You know, and the winds the winds were strong, but the, the storm surge and um, you know, that was really what did the most damage. So I, yeah. I'm completely on board with you in terms of, um, you know, it shouldn't just be based on wind. It should be based on, you know, storm surge, possibly even hurricane size, because that yeah. that matters. You know, if the wind, if the strongest winds are, um, you know, within five miles and then they dramatically decrease, um, you know, from the eye wall and, and you're getting out, you know, five miles outside the eye wall and, and it's just nothing. You know, they need that, you know, people need to understand that because the second, you know, it's a category, you know, three hurricane or more and they don't get hit directly by it, but they're in the hurricane and it doesn't necessarily affect them as strongly as, you know, they thought it was going to. Then in the future, these people aren't going to trust, you know, the source and they're not going to trust when people when an actually, you know, a very dangerous situation comes along. So I do think, you know, you, you have to 
it can't just be based on wind. You know, I definitely think the Saffron Simpson scale needs to adapt um, in some way because mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're almost dooming ourselves for failure um, um, at, you know, at some points with the public, especially. I, I think, I think what's hard about, you know, surge um, is that it's different all across the hurricane, really how, where the, how the surge is going to be. Now, maybe a yeah. small area might have the worst surge. So do you, warn people, you know, based on surge when it's just a small little area that's going to see the most extreme surge. So that's where I kind of, well, I can see surge being part of it, but at the same time you warn for the worst, but then only a small part of that area gets the worst surge and then people don't believe you anymore. So. Right. It's tough. Yeah. I really like what the weather channel started doing. I think when Dr. Lyons was there that he had an impact, uh, chart or whatever mm-hmm. for different cyclones that were coming at the United States or elsewhere. And then, you know, it would have a, it was a graph or, or whatever, a bar chart. And it would say like wind and, eh, you know, surge. Oh, and then rain, whatever. Yes. And waves. He included waves in there. Dr. Lyons mm-hmm. is a big surfer. And yes. I thought that was really, our expert. Right. I thought it that was. was a great idea because, to show because he recognized it. what's going to be the worst. But like you right. said, you say, well, this is going to be the worst this time around. And you say, well, okay, we're ready for that. And then it's not the worst. It, it's just tough. I mean, it is a very difficult uh, problem to solve. I just wonder if you just have to get away from just focusing. And the media is, you know, to blame for this too, is just hyping the category right. itself, right? Yeah. Instead of instead of focusing on the impacts and just showing those charts, uh, those bar graphs, you know, they, they, they are so focused on the category of it. And so maybe that's the angle to go to is, Try to get people on board from staying away from that. Not that it's not important, but yeah. if surge is going to be a big deal, that's what we did at the Weather Channel the last couple of years. We tried. If it was really going to be the surge was going to be the big deal, we didn't talk about the category so much in the winds. We really focused on the surge. So, Because I think it's going to be really difficult to try to do one you know, one way to measure or to put warnings out when there's so yeah. many different factors and one's high, you know, one's worse than the other. It's like, how do you do that? You just... You can't yeah. without confusing people. So I definitely agree. Cause, cause honestly the category, you know, it isn't really for the people, you know, the behind the scenes people that know what they're talking about because they're going to know the impacts of the hurricane. So, it, right. it, you know, the category is really for the public. So, you know, it can't be so one dimensional. That's, that's when it has to have all these, you know, multifaceted. Um, but at the same time, it's gotta be simple too. So I don't think there's an easy solution to it. Um, but I definitely think, you know, something's got to change because I agree, um, you know, too many people just focus on the category when, you know, sometimes, you know, like you said, every storm's different. So right. you're going to have to, people are going to need to know the impacts, not just the category. Right, right. And the, are they, do, do you guys see this as being something where it's it's obviously sound, sounds like it's more of a public issue the general public is getting the is it's a confusion issue with the general public but um what about the the issues with even if it's a large category storm that doesn't hit doesn't make landfall because it seems like that's an issue as well that if it doesn't hit land the general public is thinking well it's it's not going to be as big big of a deal unless it it makes landfall do you you guys agree with that does there need to be it's a great example of that Mm -hmm. for florida yeah Yeah. and um and then 
Matthew, here's another way to look at it. It's a great example for Florida because it was approaching Florida as a category four and it never made landfall in Florida. It also never made landfall in North Carolina, but North Carolina out of outside of Haiti has the most deaths and tremendous amount of destruction from the river flooding, yeah. the freshwater flooding from Matthew and Matthew's eye never crossed the North Carolina coastline. So how do you reconcile that? I mean, right. the hurricane never crossed the Carolina coast right. in South Carolina briefly. Uh, so it is really tough, especially with the amount of population growth that we have and hurricane experience whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Have any that, of you seen, Oh, go ahead, Kim. No, I was gonna say that's so true about the land that you brought that up too. It's like people, they hear if they think landfall, is going to be terrible and it could be, a, you know, it could be a low end cat one or landfall and you don't get much out of it. And so they, you know, they, and then you get, you know, a major hurricane making landfall and then it's, you know, 50 times worse. So, you know, focusing on landfall too, I think can be, like you said, it's, you know, it, I think it, 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 it confuses people. They hear landfall and they could think one way or the other, really. I think, I think another point too, that is valuable is not only not overhyping it before it even becomes a system. You know, I think meteorologists can get very carried away sometimes with, you know, oh, there's a chance for tropical development. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, we might get very confident in something and it doesn't pan out. And then people are like, well, you know, it, it completely destro- destroys credibility. So I think, you know, a lot of the um, putting out like notices and putting out um, outlooks is great for people that know weather and yeah. for people that can understand it. Um, but, you know, when it gets on the news and, um, you know, your, your local TV station meteorologist is talking about possible tropical development 10 to 14 days out, you know, that that's when it really can do some harm because people, you know, then it just doesn't pan out like, you know, like weather does, you know. And so I think we have to be really careful as meteorologists to, especially in the public view, to really restrict our, um, you know, hypothesizing for the future um, when it comes to tropical development to people that know weather. Yeah. You try to tell that some of these TV stations that they're like, they're hyping it. They want the, you know, they want to be the first ones. They it's, you know, it's all about ratings a lot of times. So that I think it's going to be hard to get some people on board to, to be more responsible. Well, let me jump in this about the power of social media and especially as a YouTube as an example mm-hmm. where someone like myself uh, and as an example, Levi Cowan, tropical tidbits.com, he does video discussions, maybe a slight advantage or maybe it's a major advantage. It depends on how you look at it over television is that television is usually going to have a narrow slot in which the meteorologist can have to explain. Whereas I, as long as I'm not too boring, <laughs> I can talk 20 minutes about it and nice. I can engage people and they can get the full story. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it of course is in how you deliver it, et cetera, certainly but I have learned that, that, you know, I'm not constrained by time. Uh, I know that you want to try to keep things as brief as you can, but sometimes it is advantageous to be able to further explain things to reach those who are willing to listen. Yes. And you take advantage of that. You've got their attention. You explain it to them and then they will inevitably share it or they will talk around the water cooler with other people and they become a little bit of an expert. And so I think that's a very great piece of power 
that people like myself have and other people that do these video blogs. And there's several of them out there and they do a very good job mm-hmm. uh, because we have that. We have, we don't have a time limit. And again, as long as you're not rambling and it's like, oh, <laughs> forget this. Uh, and you learn how to do it. And I'm not perfect at what I do, but the response is really overwhelming for me in the positive way. And I, I really, mm-hmm. I think that's a privilege and uh, I, I'm very appreciative of that. I love that. You seem just such a sincere person, Mark, and just, you know, just such a weather fanatic. We need more of you. We need more of you. We're out there. Believe me. And, <laughs> yeah, and, I know it. All right. Well, let's, uh, we'll go ahead and take our final break. So listeners uh, can hear Brady's storm school. If you do have any feedback or want to chime in with any questions or comments on this topic, you can always send us an email at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or check us out on uh, Twitter and Facebook. The, uh, the rest of you watching, go ahead and refill your drinks. And when we come back, it'll be time for our weather fools and WX resources. This is Storm School, where together we'll take an in-depth look into certain weather phenomenon, why they happen, where they happen, what causes them. Some topics we'll cover will things you might have never heard before or things you've heard a lot. Welcome to Storm School. Class yeah. is in session. Hello once again, guys. I'm Brady, and on this week's episode of Storm School, I'm going to dive into... Um, what exactly a green thunderstorm is. Some of you may have seen pictures recently of a thunderstorm that either the cloud or the rain shaft below the cloud appears green and people are freaking out. You know, this is, you know, this has been around for a while. It isn't necessarily a new phenomenon, but people want to know what's causing it. Now the two, you know, basically folklore lines of thought behind that are either a, it's a sign of a tornado to come. And B, it's caused by very large hail. Now, you know, there's been a decent amount of research done um, over this topic. And what they've actually found out is that hail actually has very little to do with the actual refracting of the light to make it green. So how does it work? So basically, um, when a thunderstorm, um, basically raindrops in the thunderstorm will absorb red light from the sun. And that will be then refracted or scattered, which basically means it, you know, think about um, when you see, you know, through a mirror, you see, you know, a rainbow coming off that mirror or something. That's refraction. That's where it changes the color of um, basically makes the spectrum of light come out. So it refracts and changes it to blue. And that's why most thunderstorms appear blue. Now, what researchers, what researchers are finding is that, um, a lot of these green thunderstorms are near sunset. So what does that mean? Um, basically, if this scattered blue light is set against an environment heavy in red light, in red light, which at sunset, it you know think about it when the sun's setting, the 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 light is much darker. It's it's not necessarily an orange light like it is during the day. It's much more of a dark red as that sun is setting. And there's dark gray thunderstorm clouds. The net effect often or not often, sometimes, is green. And there have been studies where, you know, researchers have gone into thunderstorms with hail, thunderstorms without hail, and they've measured the main, you know, what was the, you know, largest frequency of wavelength, basically, that light was emitting. So, you know, blue has a wavelength, 
um, green has a wavelength. And what they found is that it was mainly green um, that they were picking up, even though sometimes we couldn't perceive it, you know, because it was right on the borderline of blue and green. But still, once again, it's so it's not necessarily and it, this is still a topic that's being very heavily researched um, and debated um, to this day. It, it you know, they're at this point, they're just hypotheses. Uh, but we do know that it's not necessarily a sign of a tornado, although, you know, oftentimes it does associate with stronger thunderstorms and the effect of hail is minimal. It still contributes a little bit, but that's not the main cause of a green thunderstorm. So there you have it. Uh, it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, I would encourage you guys to read more about this because there's actually um, a good amount of articles um, out there that kind of give you a much better description. All right, thanks for joining me. Let's get back to the podcast. Hey. Hello once again, guys. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for staying with us, guys. Um, now we're going to go into <laughs> Weather Fools. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> Phil put me in charge of both tonight, so I'm really trying to oh, step up screwed. to the plate and hit it out of the park. <laughs> I know I just hit a pop fly and it was in the infield, but I don't care. Let's keep going. So, Weather Fools, what is it? Weather Fools, basically, um, we look at um, either a YouTube video or some news story that happened recently. Um, <laughs> yes, I am moving my hands. I love that. Um, it basically happened recently where someone did something not so smart, and it has to do with weather. It's very funny, and we always post the links after the show. Um, so I think we only have one Weather Fool tonight, and that's me. <laughs> Guess what? We're this the Brady Show. There we go. I see myself. All right, sweet. Um, that's weird. I don't know why I'm seeing myself. All right, so I'll share my screen. Uh, let's share this puppy. So this uh, was after a series of storms. Um, I believe I I think it was in somewhere in the south, somewhere in the southern U.S. In the past, um, it happened on June 12th, actually. So uh, about a couple. Uh, Star Tribune, that's Minnesota. Actually. Oh, it is? The Star Tribune? Interesting. Star Tribune, yeah. Um, sorry, that was my series. Um, so there is a picture in the newspaper basically saying violent summer storms rolls through rolls across the region. Mm. And there's people just leisurely walking underneath a <laughs> down a tree. Path. A, a, oh yeah, exactly. The cart path of a down tree branch that's partially torn off that literally could probably fall at any moment. Yeah, you know, so yeah. and these people are walking their dogs. There's two elderly people. There's you know a younger woman talking. running. Just they just don't <laughs> care, you know. So that's my weather fool this week. I, I I just you know people just just wait, just just run around it in the grass. It's not that big of a deal. It might be a little wet. <laughs> it's it's hanging by a thread. Just you know, roll like, with it. These yeah, people just are roll. crazy. All right, it does. So, weather makes you dumb. It does. So now. Uh, now we're going to head to our weather resources, and I'm hosting that too. So get ready for some more good, good people because I'm staying oh, with God. you. It's like three anyway. segments in the row of Brady. It's your yeah. storm yeah. school, and then we got and weather school. I can't and take it. People love it. Oh my God. So, weather resources. People love not, it. Let's take a poll. Okay. Yeah. So, weather resources. So, it's basically um, we're going to give you some good things, you know, good websites, um, possibly good Twitter feeds. Um, where you can get some really valuable weather information, whether it comes to, you know, weather forecasting or current conditions um, or just good weather knowledge. Um, so 
Let's hit it off. Phil, what is your weather resource this week? Okay, well, I will start with my weather resource is actually hurricane-related. Uh, I figured we were going to be talking about hurricanes, and I found this the other day, which is uh, the, the article is titled Simple Gourmet Meals for After the Hurricane. What? Oh, my gosh. Really? This was put together by the American Red Cross Lee County chapter down in Florida. And it's a book. It's a bound book called Recipes for Disaster. Oh, my God. Simple gourmet, meal, uh, gourmet meals for post-disaster days presented by <laughs> Angelina's Restaurante. Wow. But wow. it goes wow. through, um, talks about things that you have on um what do you, what kind of food do you call it that's in canned and it's it's called uh I can't canned think of food spam <laughs> no, no spam uh, trash uh, canned food I can't think of what kind of food thrown away anyway, canned food they've got like uh smoked salmon tuna oh. fish canned cranberries and blueberries stuff like that have some corned yeah. beef and how to make breakfast corned beef hash using wow. basically that's the whole idea is is how to use things Without you know milk and and with perishable, that's what I was looking for. Non perishable. Okay. Non perishable. What about so, without so power? How, yeah. What about without power? Yeah. With with non perishables because yeah, yeah you're probably going to be without powder. Mm-hmm. So they've got you know pancakes with chocolate chips and pecans. Uh, just use the pancake mix that you mix with water, not with milk. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it varies. And, and on this website, so this is Weather Plus dot blog dot palm beach post.com is the website that actually also has some of the meals uh that are available for you in in this book but uh check out lee county american red cross down in florida if you actually want to pick up a copy of the book uh they'll have it wow. bam all right i'll do i think that's, that's on the that's on the I west coast isn't it isn't yeah. lee county on the west coast oh right next God. to collier yeah, no, oh, it's, it's Lee, Lee County, Florida. Oh, All right. gosh. All right, that was great, Phil. I think there's a book actually called Recipe for Disaster, I think. That's, it's like, a whole different I read it, thing. I read it in high school. Yeah, different book. It was, it was a, a little, terrible a book. Different. Definitely read Recipes <laughs> for Disaster. It's an important <laughs> distinction. Yeah. All right, yeah. Kim, what is uh, yeah. your other resources for you? Okay, now be, now bear with me because, you know, I know I always screw this up. Okay, so <laughs> right. let's see. <laughs> I did. I did make a comment about that in our last show that Oops. you weren't at. I probably oh, you did it. about how I always mess yeah. this up. Okay. Don't worry, don't worry, Kim. I stuck up. I do. Oh, you got it now. I do. Am I there? You got it. Yeah. 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 Okay. It only took. Is that lottery.com? So yeah. So but do you guys know this one? I don't Maybe know. I don't know much know. about this. But I came across this a few years ago. But it's lottery.com slash looks like Dalmet. Del Metro, but this is a aviation portal. And I thought, you know, maybe we get some pilots who, you know, watch our podcast or, or listen to our podcast that this actually has some really cool stuff on it that if you want to know before you're flying about turbulence and icing, you go to this website, you click on turbulence and icing, and hopefully it'll come up here. And hang on, my computer is slowing down. Anyway, so tur- it has turbulence and icing. Um, it also, you can um, click on um, current conditions and you can get METARs. Uh, you can look at the models. Uh, there's radar data. There's satellite. Oh, you guys, look at that. You can't. It's oh, really? 
That is a rip. Anyway, so. Dina would love that. Dina would love that site. That and you know what? I totally yeah, forgot. Totally <laughs> forgot she wasn't going to be on um, because I thought she would really like this one. But yeah. trust me, go to this website and you can um, see where there's turbulence and icing, not just here, but in over the ocean. And I got another. Uh, I think it's my computer. So uh, that also has. Um, you know, Latin America, overseas, even you can in the Middle East, you can look at forecasts there. So I just kind of cool for anybody we, we who's into we aviation. Do, we do have listeners there. So I, yeah, they might, yeah, we they might be in oh, right. yeah. yeah, we got listeners we might, all over the world and we love them. All. We do. Are you really? Can, that oh, is yeah. Critical. Yes. Question, can you, can you, with this website, can you predict when your flight's going to be delayed before it happens? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real, that'd be the real money you, right you there. You can. Well, that'd you probably could yeah. because it actually, in some of this, they use some military forecasting. Kind of, I did that when I was also in the tropical section was that you, um, we did, uh, turbulence and icing forecasting. And okay. you could look at these maps and you could see where it's happening. And you could say, well, maybe that might cause, you know, you know, me to get sick or whatever. When I fly, you take your Dramamine. But it's kind of cool stuff. But That's awesome. I'm a firm believer in Dramamine, Phil. If you can get exactly. them in response. Good. No, I have awesome. too. I get motion sick. Dramamine is down. just, don't ever take it and drive. Because one time, uh, never mind. It was bad. Oh, and, and well, drinking too with it? Or? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 that's good. All right. So, hey, well, you, you can check out all of our, uh, all of our, all three uh, of our one weather fool and our two weather resources. If you go to our website, stormfrontfreaks.com, just look up the show notes on episode 29. Uh, you'll be able to to view all of those links and go check out what we couldn't either explain to you or we couldn't pull up for you. So uh, let's jump over to MJ, see if we have any listener questions or responses. Hey, we got, uh, we got one response into uh, about last week or last uh, two weeks ago show uh, from Angelo uh, via Twitter uh, saying, so when news stations ask to use video, just ask them for money, question mark, never known how it works. So must have been listening uh, to one of our previous episodes where we talked about uh, getting paid for your video. And for those of you who didn't hear those, uh, we want you to check out Corey Hartman on episode 23 or Reed Timmer on episode 22, where uh, we talk about those kinds of things. Yeah. And basically it just comes down to, yeah, you just ask. I, yeah, I mean, that's really yeah. what you do is you just, you, you ask if they, if they say, Hey, can we run it for free? Uh, just say, you know, certainly willing to uh, negotiate a price. And if they bite on that, then you just start going with the price. That's really how you learn to do it and how you ask. And just don't be afraid to ask. Don't, exactly. don't, what, I, what we always tell most people is don't, don't give it away because yeah. it, it just creates a precedent and it makes it harder for those that are trying to sell their good footage to give it, to sell it because if there's a bunch of other people giving it away, uh, they kind of lose their business. So right. uh, if you get good storm footage and someone on social media, some news station wants to use it, uh, always ask. Okay. And you can go from there. It's your choice because it's your stuff. But uh, I would always ask. It's like the Red Cross. Right. They're, they're not just going to go give away free water pouches, right? You know, they're going <laughs> to. They're going to ask. Yeah. They're going to hold on to them. They're going to make shit all the time. All right. Yeah. So that about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast and Stormfront Freaks Raw. Thanks for listening and watching. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on your Apple Podcasts app. 
Uh, and if you leave your twiddle, uh, tw twiddle, you leave your. <laughs> there we go, Phil. That's a new thing, twiddle. Another one. Diesel. Diesel and twiddle. Twiddle. That's Twiddle handle you got. Uh, leave your Twitter handle, and I'll follow up with an MP3 copy of our intro song. I'll get that out to you. And always remember to subscribe on your podcast app of choice to the show so you always get the latest content the minutes it's released. So special thanks to our guest tonight, uh, Hurricane Guy, Mark Suddeth. He was awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. But, guys, All listen right. to this. So our, our next episode in two weeks uh, is going to be on June 29th. That will be our next uh, live episode, new episode. It will be live, uh, broadcast at a special time. It'll be 5 o'clock Eastern, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 o'clock Central, because we will be with the Weather Channel meteorologist, Jim Cantori. So uh, thanks to Kim. For, we'll have Jim on. Nice. Uh, that ought to be a barn burner, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So go to stormfrontfreaks.com or your YouTube channel if you would want to watch it live. Otherwise, it'll be posted. Our audio show will be posted as normal. That weekend. So for MJ, Kim, and Brady, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. To subscribe and be notified when new episodes of our bi-weekly show are available, you can go to iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app and search for Stormfront Freaks. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter at stormfrontfreaks. We'd love to hear from you. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out the interactive radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com, providing interactive weather content for web, mobile, and digital displays at cost-effective prices. Zoomradar.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormfrontfreaks. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.